0: Hi everyone, this is Brant Van Roekel, lead pastor of Christ City Kitsilano. And I wanna let you know about a couple of things. First, if you're not a part of a local church, let me invite you to join us at Fifth Avenue Cinema on Burrard Street at 9.30 a.m. We meet every Sunday morning for worship, word, and sacrament and we'd love for you to join us there. Second, if you are new and you wanna get connected, let me say welcome. Christ City Church Kitsilano is a neighborhood church committed to making missional disciples for the sake of the neighborhood. If you want to hear more about what God has called us to here in Kitsilano, then please reach out to me at brant at christlychurch.ca or you can visit christlychurch.ca slash Kitsilano. Scripture
1: reading today is taken from Matthew 2, verses 13 to 23. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother. But when he heard that Achilles was reigning over Judea in place of his father, Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and he lived in the city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: As you are seated, let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for sending your Son, Jesus Christ, as our Savior, as our Redeemer, as our friend, and our Emmanuel, God who is faithfully and eternally with us. We pray that your Spirit will work in our hearts this morning as we read and meditate your Word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning, Christ City. My name is Alvin, part of the team here. And if I don't see you tomorrow, Happy New Year. I think it's, it's okay to say Happy New Year because half of the world is already celebrating New Year's. We're just so late. Everything is so late in Canada. Uh, <laughs> I hope you're excited for the New Year. How do you feel about it? Got your plans sorted out? Got your resolutions? I just learned last night that some of our men are starting a Bible reading plan, Bible reading plan together, and they're going to keep each other accountable. Isn't that amazing? To read the Bible together. Or if you're thinking um, starting a fitness or a workout routine, Canadian Tires Flyer has lots of gym equipment on sale this week. And if you need a gym buddy, let me know. I'll be your gym buddy. (laughs) So Christy, if I ask you today, which one do you like better? Which one do you like better, Christmas or New Year? Christmas or New Year? Christmas. Why? (laughs) Because Christmas always gives us good mood, doesn't it? And just... Um, and we wish, you know, like Christmas lasted or all year long. You know that I know someone who actually plays Christmas songs throughout the year, every single day. She said that, you see my Spotify play- playlist is all Christmas songs. And maybe you do too, And that's okay. You know, I'm not judging. And um, talking about Christmas songs, if you're uh, as young as I am, you might recognize the song titled, Christmas Time is Here by a music group called uh, Surface. It goes like this. Why can't every day be just like Christmas? Everybody seems to feel the same. Love is in the air all around us. It's magical how we all feel this way. I think every day should be like Christmas. Everyone has something nice to say. It seems we don't mind giving each other love. In everybody's heart, it seems to grow. But Christ city, as we unpack the text we have before us this morning, we're going to see that surface is wrong. Because every day is actually Christmas. Every day is actually Christmas. After that first Christmas day, after those angels singing, shepherds rejoicing, we found that Joseph and Mary were in a very difficult situation. It's a death threat. And you know what? That's okay that's okay. It's still Christmas because the baby Jesus was with them. Because Jesus was with them. Jesus is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And with Jesus, every day is Christmas. Every new year is Christmas. And with that same conviction, let's face the new year with faith and confidence that Jesus loves us. He cares for us. He is here with us. And no matter What challenges 2024 may bring us, he is here with us. So three points for us this morning as we learn about Jesus, our Emmanuel Savior. His identity, he became like us. His humanity, he walked among us. And his humility, he came for us. First, his identity, he became like us. Matthew chapter 2, verses 13 to 15a. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt, and they remained there until the death of Herod. God, who created the universe, the all powerful, came to earth, and he came to earth as a baby. And like any other normal human babies, he had limitations. It's like us. When threat comes, he depends on others to keep him safe. But you might be wondering, isn't Jesus special? I thought that he's got the son. You know, there's one thing that uh, I keep hearing from our government, especially during COVID. Do you know what it is? We want to always keep Canadians safe, right? Keep Canadians safe. And you know what? I believe God is much more capable than our government. God can certainly and easily keep Jesus safe. But you see, Jesus had to flee to Egypt. Jesus had to flee to Egypt. This is the angel's direction. Now, what's with Egypt? Politically, Egypt might have been a safe refuge for this young family, although it's quite far for them to travel, especially in the middle of the night. There's more to it. Let's look at verse 15b. And this is the first of the three fulfillments we're going to look at today. Matthew two fifteen b that this was to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt, I called my son. And this is a direct quotation from Hosea, an Old Testament prophet. And this is what the Lord said through him. Hosea 11, verse 1. When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Hang on, does this prophecy say about Israel or God the Son? What do you think? When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt, I called my son. Is it about Israel or God the Son? It's actually both, isn't it? It's actually both. There's a book in the Old Testament called the Book of Exodus. And by the way, we're gonna study that next year together every single Sunday and I hope you join us next year and in that book we are told how God brought the people of Israel out of Egypt through Moses and this happened 1300 years before Jesus was born but now when Jesus was born the people of Israel where where were they they were no longer in Egypt they were already in the land the land of Israel So why did Jesus have to go to Egypt? You see, the people of Israel were already out of Egypt. But their hearts were still in Egypt. Physically, the people of Israel were in the promised land. But spiritually, they were still oppressed and enslaved by sin. And I think This is actually Exodus 2.0. This is the new Exodus. You see, this is more than just Jesus fleeing to Egypt. This is actually God the Father is sending his son to Egypt. You see this? And he did this because that's where his people truly were. And that's where we truly are. And he wants us to get us out. You see, by going to Egypt, Jesus wanted to show us that when he became human, he didn't become a superhuman. Jesus is God the Son. He is 100% God. But he's also 100% human. And being human, he didn't hesitate for one second to be like us. And it's not an upgrade. Should we be proud of it, you know? <laughs> it's a cosmic downgrade. It's got the sun, became human, became so limited like us. You know, I remember when I was still young, I remember that I always look up to my eldest brother. He's the uh, handsome guy, very hip, very cool. And I thought I'm going to be cooler if I can uh look like him, you know? He wears jeans. I want to wear jeans, too. He wears vests. I want one, too. You know, back in the day, people wear vests, Very cool, you know, with all the patterns. He wears glasses. It looks so cool. I said, I want to wear glasses, but how? So I watch TV so close like that. <laughs> so that I, my eyes would get ruined and I need glasses. Well, water under the bridge, but yeah. But you know what's weird? Um, I want to be like him, but he never wanted to be like me. I wonder why. Maybe because it's a downgrade for him. <laughs> you know, in becoming like us, Jesus was downgrading a lot. And he did all this so that he can be with us and get us out of Egypt. And only when He gets us out from Egypt that we can be like Jesus. His true children, His true Israel, God's true people. Out of Egypt, I call my son. Who's the son? It's Jesus Christ. Out of Egypt, I call my son. Who's the son? Those who believe in Jesus. If we're really honest, many times we are not satisfied with ourselves. We wish we were a different, a better person, and that's why we have resolutions in the new year, right? We thought things would be different if we were richer, if we were stronger. For some people, if we were taller, if we were more good looking, if we were thinner or maybe larger for some people. If we had hair, if we had no hair, if we had more hair, if we have less hair, like all about hair. Uh, um, Not to offend anyone here, but (laughs) but Christ did know and believe this today. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves me, and He loves all of us. He loves us just the way He created us. And we know this because he was willing to be identified with us. He's willing to become like us. He fled to Egypt for us. So that is our first point. Jesus is our Emmanuel Savior and he became like us. And in becoming like us, he also walked among us. Our second point, his humanity. He walked among us. Matthew chapter 2, verse 16. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men. So never ask the wise men because the wise men can trick you. Very common. (laughs) Became furious and he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem and in all that region who were two years old or under, according to the time that he had ascertained from the wise men. There are a few Herods in history and this one is known as Herod the Great. So great because he's so brutal. He killed everyone who was a threat to his political power. He trusted no one. Do you know what he did? He killed his wife. Oh, it's only one because he had 10, but yeah. He killed his wife and three sons when he feared that they were plotting against him. And his threat to his authority was put down with what? Brutality and bloody violence. Herod liked to single out individuals for public execution. This is not in prison, it's in public. And he ordered a number of mass slaughters of his opponents. So when Herod realized that the wise men didn't come back to him, Jesus has now become another political threat. And Herod pulled a Herod. Killed all the babies in Bethlehem. Now, one thing that stood out to me is God allowed this to happen. God allowed this to happen. God sent the angel to warn Joseph, warn the wise men, but he didn't send the angel to stop Herod. Had God stopped Herod, would this chapter have sounded a little bit better? If you wrote a story like this, you might want to skip that part. It's like, hmm. You see, God didn't stop Herod because Jesus, as God the Son, is willing to experience our true humanity. He's willing to experience our true humanity, especially in our broken world, with all the pain and suffering. And to what end? Let's look at the second fulfillment in verses 17 and 18. Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. Not me. Okay, Jeremiah, Old Testament, a voice was heard in Rama weeping and loud lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they are no more. Hundreds of years before Jesus was born, the kingdom of Israel was defeated by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. The city of Jerusalem was destroyed and the people were sent to exile. Now, what's Ramah? Ramah is located north of Jerusalem, and it was known as the city of sadness. Why? Because it's where the exiles, people of Israel, they were gathered together before they were taken captive. This is the last city that they're going to see, children of Israel. So let's park here for a moment. Imagine thousands of people lining up, (laughs) not to get tickets to a show, or to see Canucks, no, or to buy clothes on Boxing Day an outlet store, no, but they're on their way to captivity, to imprisonment, to exile. We saw a little bit of this when we watched um, movies about Nazi, right? It's horrific. Rachel weeping for her children, she refused to be comforted because they are no more. This is a strong language of deep, very deep and inconsolable sorrow. When Jesus came, Israel was not in exile anymore. They're back in the promised land, but there's still sorrow and sadness. And you know why? Because God was not on the throne. God was not there, and and sin still reigned. Sin still reigned. Jesus became like us, but he's also unlike us. He's like us, but he's also unlike us. Jesus was born sinless. He lived a perfect life without sin because he is God. But when he came, he didn't sanitize himself. He didn't separate himself from our reality, from the reality of sin. And its consequences from the pain and suffering. Instead, He chose to walk with us, to be with us, even in the midst of those pains and suffering. So, Christ, it, this tells us that God is not the God who dismisses pain and suffering. Our God is not the God who dismisses pain and suffering. Yes, suffering is the direct result of sin and disobedience, whether it's ours or of somebody else. But suffering is present not because God doesn't love us. Suffering is present not because God doesn't care for us. And suffering is present not because God is absent. Jesus is here with us, walk with us through pain and suffering. Jesus came down to us to bring his peace for us, but it doesn't make all that sorrow, pain, suffering, darkness magically disappear overnight. doesn't do like that. Jesus became like us by going to Egypt because that's where we truly are. Now Jesus walked among us through pain and suffering because that's what we face every day. Because that's what we face every single day. We've had stories where Christians, particularly from the affluent country like us here in Canada or in the U.S., spend their vacation days by going to remote places in the world for what they call missions. They usually visit the poor, marginalized people. They brought food. They brought medicine. They built houses there, facilities for these poor people. And this is awesome. But normally... They could only stay there for a week, two weeks, a month, and they had to leave. And usually, they will never meet with the same people ever again. So a church in Indonesia I was part of does this kind of missions, and a while ago, we asked them, we asked the people we helped, how do they, how they feel about this kind of approach to missions. Come and go, come and go. Of course, they were so grateful. They were very appreciative for the help and the kindness brought to them, but they prefer the missionaries who stay. They prefer the ones who stay. They wanted the ones who are willing to live the city and faithfully live with them. Live the city, live with them, and walk among them to go through what they go through. And it's not that many. And that's what Jesus does to us. He faithfully stays with us. He walks with us. And it's more than that. He's turning our mourning, our sorrow into joy. The fulfillment quotation in verses 17 and 18 we just read was taken from Jeremiah chapter 31. And in that same chapter, we can also read the promise of God's deliverance for us. Jeremiah 31, verses 13b to 14, I will turn their mourning into joy. I will comfort them and give them gladness for sorrow. I will feast the soul of the priest with abundance, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, declares the Lord. I will turn their mourning into joy. This is what Jesus does he comes and walks among us because he's turning our mourning into joy. Christ city being a Christian doesn't mean living a life without pain and suffering. Rather, being Christian means in the midst of pain and suffering, we can live a life in Jesus Christ who faithfully walks with us, walks among us, who constantly gives us grace, strength, strength, courage, joy, and peace. Pain and suffering are as real as you can get, and you can't deny it. But you know what? Jesus invites you to come to Him with them. So don't leave your pain and suffering behind when you come to Him. Come with them, because that's what He came for, and He will deliver you. Jesus, our Emmanuel, Savior, came down to us to be like us and to walk among us. And he did all, all of this for us. And this brings us to third and final point, his humility. His humility, he came for us. Chapter uh, Matthew chapter 2, verses 19 to 23. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel. For those who saw the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there, and being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. Nazarene means from Nazareth. Now, Nazareth is a very small and insignificant city. So small that it was hardly mentioned in other books, in other historical books, basically. This is what Nathanael said of Nazareth before he followed Jesus from John 1. Uh, verse 46, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? So being a Nazarene is not something you could be proud of. When they said Jesus of Nazareth, it's not saying Jesus comes from a great high-end city like Vancouver. It actually bears a sense of ridicule and mockery. Jesus. Of Nazareth. Hmm. By being called a Nazarene, Jesus actually fulfills what was spoken by the prophets. Now, if you have your Bible with you, you'll notice that there is no footnote there to give us the hyperlink to the Old Testament. Found it in Hosea, we find that in Jer- Jeremiah 31 for first and second fulfillment. This one, no. You know why? Because Nazareth was never mentioned at all in the Old Testament. So how do we make sense of this? What's being fulfilled here? The writings of the Old Testament prophets, especially during and after the exile, have two different themes. One is the theme of punishment. Israel was punished and brought into exile because of her sins and disobedience. But there's a second theme. The other theme was what we call the Messianic theme. The Messianic theme is God promised that He would send a Messiah, Messiah in Hebrew or Christ in Greek, to redeem and restore Israel. And that's why we call Jesus Christ, Jesus the Messiah. But in those writings, the prophets also said that when Messiah comes, He will be rejected and despised. He will be rejected and despised, Isaiah 53 is an example, verses 3 to 5. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteem him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteem him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and and with his wounds, we are healed. Jesus fulfilled this prophecy by being called a Nazarene. And see this, Christ said, he is a Nazarene because he grew up in Nazareth. But he grew up in Nazareth because he was rejected as the true king of Israel. And this is the story, and this is the evidence, and this is the proof. Later in his ministry, Jesus will be known as a Nazarene because he will also be the rejected Messiah. He suffered, he died, he bears our sins, griefs, sorrows, and transgressions on the cross. He's the rejected king, and he's the rejected Messiah. Jesus is called a Nazarene because that's the very purpose he came. He came and died for us and for our salvation. In December 2012, Prince William and Kate announced that they were expecting their firstborn child. And really hit the news, and every leader from every country congratulated them. And what's so special about this child? What's so special? It's just one ordinary child, right? Not really. Prince William then was uh, second in line to the throne behind his father, Prince Charles. And this was uh, before the queen died. So the new baby will be third in line. The pregnancy was only 12 weeks old at the time, but it's already determined that one day, one day, this child will Succeed Prince William to rule England. This child is third on the line. Christ Jesus is called a Nazarene because it's already determined that one day, he, God the Son, will surely be rejected and die to save us. The name bears the calling. By becoming human, God the Son gave up what is rightfully his took up what is justifiably ours so that we can be eternally his let me repeat that again by becoming human god the son gave up what is rightfully his and that is his throne in jerusalem and took up what is justifiably ours and that is the punishment for our sins so that we can be eternally his hebrews chapter 2 verse 17 And 18 confirms this for us. Therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus is able to help us because he is Emmanuel. Jesus became like us by going to Egypt because that's where we truly are. Jesus walked among us through pain and suffering because that's what we face every single day. Jesus came and died for us and for our salvation because that's what we need. Because that's what we need. So Christ City, tomorrow is 2024. Let's ring in the new year with the faith in the Emmanuel Savior. In a minute, we will respond by reading Romans 8 together. But before we do that, would you spend a minute to pray with me? If this is the first time you hear about Jesus or you're still on the fence, you haven't fully acknowledged Him as your Savior, would you pray to Him? Pray to Him that He would meet you personally. He would meet you and give you faith to believe in Him and to receive his salvation, his joy, and his peace. And if you are someone who has believed in Jesus, but now has doubts, or you're feeling down because of the pain, suffering, and struggles, challenges that you face, that keep on coming, would you pray to Jesus to strengthen your faith and to comfort your heart? He's turning your mourning into joy. That's the faith that you'll be, walk with him in great joy in the new year. And lastly, if you have people around you, maybe your friends, maybe your family, maybe your coworkers who are struggling right now, would you pray for them? Pray for them right at this moment that God will be merciful and help them and pray that you'll be following Jesus' footsteps like Him not sanitizing yourself from pain and suffering, but like Jesus being with them, walking with them, serving them. He became like us so that we can become like him. He walked among us so that we can walk in him. He died for us so that we can live for him. Let's pray. Let's take a moment and pray. Let the Lord the Spirit comfort you this morning, lead you, and meet with you.